0: Hello, my dudes! My name is Tiffany, welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues and media. Today, we are going to discuss meme kids. A lot of kids and babies go viral for their adorable or hilarious behavior. By the way, you might question my choice to cover their eyes. I was conflicted about whether to try to censor their faces or do this, because obviously the whole point of the video is how famous these kids are but I still like to get in the habit of respecting children's privacy, even if they're extremely famous, so sorry if this bothers you. Some of these kids are one-hit wonders, forever immortalized as reaction gifs or memes, and others become child stars of social media, hoping to remain relevant long-term. I've made a few videos regarding family vlogging, and I think this topic is pretty related to that. Overall, I've been pretty critical of it. I am very concerned about the well-being of children, in terms of their safety, their privacy, their digital footprint. And of course, things are complicated when a parent or guardian is monetizing their kids, there's potential that the kids are exploited for content, and of course, this is a pretty unregulated area so far, or at least underregulated. so I think it's best to err on the side of caution, and make sure that we're asking these questions collectively about what is ethical, what is safe, what is best for the kids. So, I've had this topic on my idea list for a long time, I want to explore... Basically, what happens to kids that go viral or become memes? How does that level of fame impact the child? How do their parents or guardians decide to handle everything? How long can these kids stay relevant if they or their parents wish for them to? Let's start with privacy. Imagine you upload a casual, candid moment of a cute kid in your life to Facebook or YouTube to share with your family and friends. And then it goes viral. Do you guys remember the early Meme Kid videos, like, Charlie Bit Me, David After Dentist? Everyone saw those videos, so it's pretty amazing how, within a few days, a child can go from completely anonymous to extremely recognizable. Remember in 2017, the picture of the little girl amazed by the portrait of Michelle Obama? Well, that photo went viral, and the little girl named Parker ended up being seen by some as the IRL embodiment of black girl magic. They ended up meeting Michelle Obama, they were on the Ellen Show, and generally they enjoyed a lot of positive attention. But that photo actually wasn't posted by Parker's parents, another museum visitor had taken the picture and posted it without their permission. Parker's mom Jessica had actually been very private about her kids, and she had chosen not to show their faces online, even though she had, and still has, a mommy blog. So as a parent, I'm sure that lack of control of the situation was terrifying, not to mention the lack of consent, and the fact that a stranger took a a picture of your child and post it online, even if it was a cute moment, that's not okay. For the record, the man ended up apologizing to Jessica, but it's pretty wild to think that any other stranger could take a picture of you or anyone in your life, and you could be thrust into the world spotlight without any of your consent, or even knowing that it's happening before it happens. So, the response from the world and the media can be very different depending on the circumstance of the event, or the photo, or the video. And there is a big difference between one viral moment, and actually becoming a meme. Do you remember the BBC dad doing an at-home interview on air, and then his cute little child walks in the background and... Very cute, very cute, we all agree! It was a charming moment, and it caught the temporary attention of the media. This article says reporters were showing up at Kelly's job, at his parents' house in Ohio, at his aunt and uncle's in New York. And it is just wild that the media feel so entitled to access people who go viral, or these stories, to invade their privacy in this 15 seconds of fame. And in this type of situation, you have a kind of really intense relevance for a couple of days, maybe a week, and then it fades away. But before we continue, let's give a shout out to today's sponsor, Source. So, my usual supplement routine includes D3 for winter, a vegan omega-3, B12, and I'm usually not the most consistent with it, which is not good. But what if I told you you could get your vitamins just by eating a delicious chocolate treat? I'm listening. Look at this, plant-based dark chocolate. Eat two of these, boom, your daily dose of B12. Okay. And these, infused with plant-based collagen. Part of your new skincare routine is to eat two a day. Dark chocolate is a great delivery system. It's a natural prebiotic with antioxidants and it can help improve digestion and absorption of your vitamins. I already finished mine, but you can have these. Oh, thanks. I don't love my little box of supplements, but I do literally look forward to eating my source bites every day. The Hype bites are very smooth. And then the Glow bites are a little bit softer, melt in your mouth, very creamy. (laughs) (laughs) They are seriously so good. They taste very similar to one of my favorite brands of vegan candies, so that's saying a lot. I'd have to say the Hype Bites are my favorite because they're the B12 supplement. It's 250 micrograms, which really helps to improve my mood and my energy and my brain function. Vitamin B12 plays a major role in red blood cell formation, so if you're low in B12, you'll probably feel weak, tired, maybe a little forgetful. Vegans and vegetarians know how important it is for us to supplement B12, but also a lot of other adults are low or deficient in B12, so it could be a good option for anybody. I would always recommend going to your doctor, getting blood tests to check your levels, and see if a supplement is right for you. If you're interested in trying Source, you can get 30% off your first order by using my link and code, Tiffany30. I want to talk a little bit more about that loss of control of going viral or becoming a meme. One of my favorite examples is Rebecca Black, of course, infamous for her Friday song and music video. She was 13, when this song came out. And I remember, I think I was around her age, and not just young people, but I feel like everyone, lots of adults, we were very cynical, we hated her with a passion, we blamed her for how bad the song and video were. But Rebecca Black, at that time, was just a kid whose parents paid for her to sing a song that she did not write, and to be in a video that she did not produce, or direct, or edit. Looking back on it now, obviously, most people were unnecessarily cruel to Rebecca Black, and even though Rebecca was older than most of the other meme kids that I'm talking about in this video, she was still only 13, and really, that is one of the most intense, difficult times, you know, being a teenager already, but literally she was like the most hated person on the internet for a good while in 2011. I think the question is for a lot of people who go viral, do you try to capitalize on this moment? Do you try to extend the shelf life of your moment of fame? Or do you just leave it as the one hit wonder it might be? Let's talk about an example of capitalizing on the situation. So I want to talk about a video which is called Lily's Disneyland Surprise. This is a video from 2011. Basically a mom filmed herself talking to her daughter, and announcing that they were going to Disneyland as a family.
1: I did not think for one second that it would go viral, it just did not even cross my mind.
0: It's a sweet video, you know, it's one of the classic types of things you'd see on Facebook and go, aww. <laughs> Yep. Lily's mom said that she was just filming it and uploading it to YouTube to show it to family,
1: and of course it went viral. I remember crying myself to sleep one of the nights because I was so overwhelmed Because one minute your child is a normal child,
0: and the next minute, half the world knows who she is. After that, she continued to post these kind of family vlogger clips of Lily, because, you know, just generally take advantage of the popularity and relevance. A lot of these clips are pretty, you know, whatever, um, they did have a habit of continuously surprising Lily and making her cry again, which is a choice. These types of videos with, like, crying or very strong emotional reactions can be cute or funny to, like, family members, but I think it's unfair to kids to post these types of videos because, of course, they can be very embarrassing for the children. And like, I am someone who cries very easily, I could cry right now if I wanted to. But still, I don't think it's a good habit for parents to exploit their children's tears or exaggerated reactions, uh, for likes or views. A few years later, they decided to try the same thing again. Another surprise Disneyland trip for Lily. At this point, if I were Lily, every time my parents filmed me, I'd be like, Are we going to Disneyland today?
1: No? Oh, interesting. In this video, though, Lily was not the star, but we got her again and she was crying. Yes, honey. Oh, my God. oh, my oh God. honey. We're going again. This time, Chloe made the face. Uh,
0: So, this time, the family probably wasn't surprised to get views, because obviously, they already had some followers from Lily's first viral video, and then of course, making a sequel to a viral video that follows the same formula, is a pretty perfect recipe for virality, but the Chloe face, and her expression becoming a meme, definitely was a surprise.
1: When we go to Disneyland, Um, that's where we get recognized the most and it i can just hear the screaming like coming out of (laughs) nowhere and people just want to see her and meet her and talk to her and she's always overwhelmed and she's always just like making the face, probably. She just wants to do Disneyland, you know? But she's really sweet, and the people are so sweet that we meet. I cannot imagine how weird it is
0: to be in public and suddenly have strangers recognize your children, come up to them, ask for pictures, ask for hugs. I know the pandemic has made us all especially cringy at the thought of even like touching someone, being in crowds of people, but no, in, in no situation should a kid, even if they are a meme, feel obligated or feel like they owe anyone, especially strangers, a hug, or a picture, or a smile. I think that's a really unfair thing to put on them, and I definitely think people really do not have boundaries when it comes to these online figures. That's the problem, when you become a meme, you are dehumanized to an extent, people just see you as that face, or that moment, they don't see you as a person, and they want that picture to prove that they saw you. Khadija mentioned that in a recent video, so that's been on my mind as I've been writing this. This is an interesting thing, is that Lily's video went viral, and she may have gained a little bit of a following, um, but that was only in 2011, But the second time, there was another viral video, but Chloe became an actual meme. And I think the distinction between those two things is major. Chloe's face was put everywhere. Chloe's face is used as a reaction. It is still popular today, and it's been over seven years since that video came out. This is actually a very interesting case study of the difference between having a viral moment and becoming a meme. Both are very overwhelming and can be very sudden, but obviously the longevity of being a meme and also the implications of people constantly using your face and putting it everywhere. I think it's a lot stronger than just having a viral video. I cannot imagine what it would be like, especially as a child, to constantly see your own face plastered across the internet.
1: I was just scrolling, and it was just Chloe, on Nicki Minaj, Chloe's face on Miley Cyrus and the wrecking ball. Chloe's face is the wrecking ball. And I'd show Chloe, and she would be like. Mom, um, that's not me! As I was doing the research for this video, I really
0: wish that parents would be a little more honest about their experience, because it seems like most of the parents try to paint these viral moments or memes, the memification of their children as a an overwhelmingly positive experience. And I'm sure in many ways, it probably is great or
1: fun or interesting. It's cool, because I, I understand to, uh, to an extent that, you know, you guys love her and stuff, but man, That's funny, it's funny stuff.
0: Maybe they just don't wanna sound ungrateful, but I just imagine that there are so many issues that they feel like they can't speak out about. Again, I would assume regarding the privacy, regarding, I don't know, even issues with like copyright of your kid's face or image. Do you have any regrets? Like, what is difficult about dealing with having a meme kid? Do your kids ever resent this, resent the attention, resent the fact that strangers in public are constantly noticing them? Let's talk about that meme kid money. If you could take advantage of short-term popularity and know that you could secure your kid's future, would you do it, would you pursue it? Or would you realize, hey, this kid could be a cash cow and they could pay our bills, I am momager. Two paths! And how much can a one-time viral moment really be monetized? Back to the BBC dad, they said, during that time they had gotten some offers, most of which never panned out. The Kellys have appeared on a few South Korean family shows, and were paid to do an ad for Johnson and Johnson. Their daughter Marion, whose general cuteness started it all, will star in her own children's book. But there was no major financial windfall. So again, it definitely depends on the situation and the sort of opportunities that the child gets, but other viral kids have definitely created content that is extremely monetizable. I'm gonna read a bit from this New York Times article from 2017 called, Why Isn't Your Toddler Paying Your Mortgage? Love that title. A lot of this focuses on Mila and Emma Stouffer. They are twins who became famous when they were toddlers, basically for their babies saying adult things shtick. And by the way, this is my least favorite, and I'm gonna sound like such a hater here. Let me just say, I love children, especially toddlers, but there is something about scripting and force-feeding kids' lines to make them sound like adults that just like, I'm not a fan.
1: Wow, well, darling, this girl Karen. Oh no, not Karen. We're gonna need some more of this.
0: Like, okay, maybe the first time I would have seen one of these videos, ah, cute, haha. But like, after that, it's not my thing. Am I the target audience? Probably not. It kind of just reminds me of like bad Instagram comedy, but with children. And by the way, any of my criticisms about these sketches or whatever are also not directed at the young daughter who writes them. In any of these situations, any of my critique or criticism lands on the parents. Anyway, Mila and Emma are not exactly memes. You could argue like, is a viral event a meme? Can a viral video be a meme? But no, let's just say like, would I use their face as a reaction on Twitter? I wouldn't, some people might. I don't know, gray areas, memeology. But since their first video went viral, they've had a lot of other videos that could be considered viral. They've had a lot of attention and a lot of success. Okay, so from this article, in many of the most popular clips, these whippersnappers engage in adult-like conversations, amusingly given their babyish voices. Their mother wouldn't detail exactly how much money the children are bringing in, but she said she was recently able to leave her position as an escrow officer. Regarding the kids and how the filming works, Mila is the one who does like acting or performing more, at least as of years ago. It's been many years now, they're this old now. Emma is a little more shy, but they do say that, they don't force either of the twins to perform, and that they only film when they want to, which is good. This guy in this article says that he frequently collaborates with these um, meme kids, and he's like a full grown adult, but okay. He says, kids grow up and become less relevant. The sweet spot is between two and four. After which he said, they're not that cute. And I'm like, it's true, but why are you saying it? Like, there's the parents who take advantage of their kids being cute and going viral, and then there's this guy who's like, "'Hey, can I collaborate with your child?' Mr. Smith lives in Columbus, Ohio, and is best known for videos he shoots with his 91-year-old granny. They have worked with Mila, making a video of granny giving her dating advice. This is something I've talked about regarding family vloggers as well, but it's another pet peeve. Can we stop putting children in these adult situations? Can we stop being like, oh, that's her boyfriend, let's give dating advice. Mila has multiple videos talking about what it's like being a parent as a two-year-old weird. I get that that's the joke, it's funny hearing these adult-like things coming out of children's little baby voices, but like, let kids be kids. Kids can be funny acting their age. Kids say the darndest things. Let them improvise. That's what I want. And if they can't improvise, then they just can't make it. You can't cut it in Hollywood, kid! The Stauffer mom, whose name is Katie, I believe, She often does ads and stuff with the kids. There's one post where they're promoting a Hoover vacuum, which is just hilarious. Some of their other ads are like American Girl dolls and like their clothing line at Target, but it's kind of funny to see kids try to advertise a vacuum. On their Instagram though, there was a little bit of backlash from the followers who said, I liked it better when you couldn't tell they were acting. First of all, it's always been very obvious that they're acting or not even acting as much as repeating lines that they're being fed by their sister. Like, obviously you always knew they were being told what to say, but this is just too far. When they have to do an ad read, I mean, I agree, it's not as fun to watch kids in a little voice be like, terms and conditions apply, click the link in the description. Why are these videos starting to be info commercials? I love that. Info commercials, if only there were a way to combine these words into a more efficient phrase. Kids are great and love watching them, but this is too much. Pages turning into full on commercials and no organic content. It's also sad to see them used this way. Actually, I don't have a problem with this. I agree, obviously if a page is mostly ads, it's not gonna be very fun. People aren't gonna connect the same with a one minute Instagram video that's an ad versus a one minute cute little skit about kids talking about hating their friends and drinking wine you know, adult things. Anyway, contrast all of that scripted stuff with one of my favorite meme kids, Ava Ryan. I smell like beef, frickin' bats. She got famous on Vine, I was a big fan since then. I care about you, here's some pine cones on the stick. I am
1: old. How old are you? 16, and my grandmother. I smell like beef, I smell like beef.
0: Ava is naturally funny, I mean, you can tell she was a literal baby, being hilarious. This was not scripted, these were not fed to her. As far as I can see through the internet, she seems to have a great sense of humor. Now full disclosure, i followed them for years now, because I loved Ava's vines so much, and I, I wanted to see her grow, alright, yes, I've had one of those parasocial relationships that I'm kind of railing about on these other accounts, I am guilty of this too. I feel conflicted, because I'm very critical of family vlogging, and I'm very critical of, you know, mom bloggers that share too much about their kids, but yet here I am, following a couple of them, and being like, oh, so-and-so's in second grade, that's great! It's like, I'm getting too connected. Sorry, I'm filming during the Super Bowl? Bad idea. Anyway, from the years that I have followed Ava and her mom, Katie, everyone's, every meme kid's mom is named Katie. That's interesting. In these years that I've followed them, it's cool to see Ava grow up. It's cool to see her sense of humor and sense of self evolve and grow. Katie says that Ava writes all of her ideas on her own. She writes them in her little journal, and then they film them together. The funny thing is, Ava does do characters that are kind of like the Mila and Emma characters of like child acting like grown up. But hers are really character based. It's not like she's voicing it like sh- like Charlene is one of her characters or like bossy lady or whatever. I miss the office and I miss friends. Oh, really? You thought I was actually talking about people? No, uh, no, I was talking about um, actually the office on the cable and also friends. And somehow it's different. And again, it's more convincing to me. She writes her own material. That's all I'm gonna say. Me shading literal toddlers and children for not writing their own Instagram comedy. Next, I wanna touch on Gavin Thomas. Gavin is famous for his expressive face. He got famous through Vine, because his uncle, Nick Mastodon, made vines of him and with him, and that's where a lot of these iconic expressions came from. And again, the thing that people like about Gavin, or at least liked when he was younger, um, is that his expressions are natural, and they're so memeable, just on their own, it didn't take any extra effort to capture his energy. Found this article from The Guardian a few years ago, meet Gavin the eight-year-old, I think he's like 10 now, with a face shared more than one billion times. By 2014, Nick's follower count had grown to just under one million before Vine was shut down. RIP. Soon, the Gavin meme had taken on a life of its own. The people of the internet adopted Gavin and started to refer to him as our son. Gavin's dad, Adam, had a picture of Gavin on his desk and his colleague goes, oh my God, that's hilarious. Adam has a picture of the meme kid on his desk. And Adam goes, the boy in the picture is my child. And the guy goes, yeah, I get the joke. He's all of our kid, he's the internet's son. And Adam goes, no, that's actually my child. He is my physical son. (laughs) I love the way this is written with the italics. He is my physical son. My parents better call me their physical daughter, just to be clear. When I was researching, I found another parent whose child's mood swing, that was it. This meme, he at his office was walking around and saw someone else with the mood swing picture of his own daughter on their desk and he pointed it out and she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, I guess my kid's a meme. What can you do? It's gotta be very strange as a parent. So when Gavin became a meme, they got a manager to work on their content strategy, monetization, all that jazz. The business, baby. Their manager gave his mom the advice to start, her name's Kate too. I swear, they're all named Kate. Everyone is Kate. I swear a child cannot go viral on the internet unless their mother's name is Lynn to be shortened to Kate, Katie. Amazing. Back to Gavin, his mom, Kate, said that they do take steps to ensure their privacy, they don't reveal their surname publicly, Thomas is an alias, they never give out their address, and they've asked the school not to identify Gavin to anyone outside of the family. Those are, like, the basics that you need to do to protect a meme kid, in my opinion, as someone who is not a meme mother named Kate. And, they also have set up a Coogan account a type of trust established in the 1930s to safeguard the money earned by child performers into adulthood. So I'm really glad to hear that Gavin's parents have done this because that is a big question that I'm gonna talk about in a minute. The idea of protecting the earnings of these children, you know, a lot of parents and families end up living off of their kids who, make the content that makes the money. And yes, while momagers and parents running things do, do some work, their kids are definitely the bulk of the labor or like the attracting force that brings in the brand deals and everything. So I think it's really important for these kids to have at least a significant portion of this money being put into a fund for their future. And this article ended with some good questions such as, What will growing up be like after the come down from a dopamine rush childhood? He's only eight, but internet fame has just been kind of the norm for him his whole life," Gavin's uncle Nick said. I don't think he fully understands what that means, and I don't think we do either. What I've always kept in mind is what will he think in like 15 years? Will he be grateful? Will he say, I wish my uncle hadn't done that? I sometimes feel like we've handed our kids a reality they didn't sign up for. And this is a big question in terms of, you know, family vlogging kids as they grow up. We haven't really seen that generation, that first generation old enough to express themselves quite yet. Um, But we have seen some signs that a lot of these children do have regrets and they're angry with their guardians about how much has been shared about them online. And that's just something you have to reckon with. And again, regarding sponsorships and ads, this is legitimate work, okay? A lot of people always say, oh, it's gonna be easy to be an influencer, you just take a picture with the thing and you put on a caption, hashtag ad! It's not the hardest job in the world, of course, but it is work, and especially for children, It's hard for them to be put in that position where they have to, you know, film branded stuff or recite certain lines. My concern with these, you know, performing kids of any kind is, are they being overworked? Are they being forced to do these sponsorships? Parents often say, oh, the kids like to do it. You know, they love performing. Do they like it because of the validation from their parents? You know, you did a good job. Like this got a lot of views and likes because that can definitely contribute. And obviously a lot of kids work for that kind of validation from their parents and their families. Let's say the kid can say no if they don't want to film, but what do you do about, you know, a deadline for a sponsorship? Are they really free to say no, completely? And I guess the last thing I wanna talk about is longevity, again, how long is this gonna last? Is it possible to make a viral moment or a meme last forever? Or in internet years, like, more than a minute. Memes obviously are always temporary, and they tend to kind of shine bright and fast, you know? A lot of memes are popular for a week, two weeks, a month max, and then they get old. Some memes are a little more evergreen, and we can still use them for a while after without being sick of them, but it is true that typically when child stars grow up, they almost always lose their fame, because, you know, they're just not that cute, charming, precocious toddler or young child anymore, and usually when you get around the awkward ages, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, forever. <laughs> the internet at large, you know, the people, are usually more interested, again, in those young, cute kids who can barely talk and they're just babbling. But if you as a momager or parent of a child star want to keep your kid relevant, how can they progress? How can they evolve? Should the kid pursue traditional performances, acting, singing, modeling? Again, in the case of Gavin, he is becoming less gimmick, more media personality. Kate is candid about how Gavin's internet fame could lead him to a career online. At this stage, Gavin wants to be a YouTube gamer. They have enrolled Gavin in acting classes, they've started teaching him how to edit videos, Ava Ryan has done some modeling, her mom's still posting skits and funny videos of them on Instagram, and they still are getting plenty of Instagram sponsorships, so that's, you know, pretty impressive for Ava to have essentially been famous her whole life, and she's still getting brand deals. That, of course, tends to do with how engaged your following is, are people still sticking around after all these years? By the way, Ava and Gavin are friends. That's precious. They've done some little videos together, some little Zoom videos together. They're friends. Little meme, meme kid friends. That just means everything to me. Again, parasocial relationship. (laughs) Shouldn't mean anything to me, but it does. Last person I wanna mention is Mason Ramsey, AKA the Yodel Walmart kid. He could have easily been a one hit wonder, you know, weird little moment on the internet, but he has made himself quite a lasting presence. He is now a full country singer. He has over a million followers on Instagram. I just have to mention recently, he did a sponsorship for Burger King about methane from cows. And when I first started, I was like, is this gonna be like an anti-cow thing? Because they were talking about climate change and how cow farts, methane are really bad for the uh, environment. But it actually was just greenwashed propaganda for the meat industry. I love, This is so irrelevant, but I love when like meat companies or like BP oil companies are like, we're gonna do a little bit. you should continue supporting our industry! I mean, Mason's a cowboy, so I guess cowboy's gonna cow, but like... Mason's account seems pretty popular, a number of my friends and people that I follow on Instagram also follow Mason, and I think his account is uniquely funny, because it's ironic, the way that he posts, or his guardian, I'm assuming his guardian supervises, I would hope, but most mean kid pages are like, fully run by their parents, so like, the captions aren't funny, and like, the pictures are just kind of like, you know, the kid, but Masons are pretty, it seems like a kid writing his own account, and a kid who's like, hip! <laughs> you know, the kids, they're hip! Anyway, my point is, Mason has succeeded so far in extending his career and his fame and his relevancy through pursuing music, he had a music video for his song called Twang, Twang, it has 44 million views! So, just because you are a meme, doesn't mean you're going to disappear overnight, but I think it does take a special type of person or character to last. Final question, how will the kids be impacted by inevitably losing their relevancy or fame? Obviously, if their parents rely on them financially, this would be an extra added pressure. Extra added, that's redundant. To bring it back to Rebecca Black, she had to spend years after Friday recovering from the trauma of being harassed online and in person, being mocked. It took years for her to reestablish herself and rebrand herself as an older, wiser person who was actually trying to pursue music seriously on her own, her own terms. Excuse me, a Friday 10 year anniversary remix is dropping literally in like 10 minutes. Now that you're watching it, it's out. So check it out. And we are happy for Rebecca Black. She's thriving. And so that is today's video. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Meme kids, am I right? (laughs) Once again, if you're interested in checking out Source, those delicious chocolates infused with vitamins, click the link in the description, use my code, you know the jazz. Excuse me, you know the jazz, you know the drill. What's the jazz? I've been posting more on my podcast, which is called Previously Gifted. You can listen on podcast apps or watch on YouTube. I also have a second channel where I've been posting. I have a lot of um, fashion related videos, closet cleanouts. I do these monthly clothing rental reviews. So if you wanna check those out, please feel free. Stay tuned. Is this video gonna make me have an existential crisis about my own limited internet relevancy? Yes. At least I'm an adult with a fully formed brain. I can handle it emotionally, can't I? Anyway, I don't know, who won the Super Bowl? Hello? That's all, let me know who your favorite meme kid is down below and let me know if your mom's name is Kate because that means you have a chance at going viral. Okay, thanks, bye.